My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Almost forgot what I was again. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, my producer today is Ryan Buds. Hello. How Hi, are Ryan. I am doing well. Thank you. It's beautiful today, huh? Yes, it is. It is. You know, it actually hasn't been like dying, like like that kind of heat, right? Oh, oh my God, that L.A. My, August heat. My wife and I just took a road trip honeymoon through Arizona and New Mexico, and it hit 115. Oh, my uh, God. And our air conditioner quit on us. So we did three <laughs> hours in the desert at 115. Nice. Oh, so like, I am so happy with the weather. Right, right. <laughs> Woohoo! So the, um, on mic right now is Brett Calvert, and also we have John Ritchie joining us. Hello, and, thank and you. And, uh, and both of these guys are on because we're going to be talking about sort of game shows, yes, but also how how some of the things that you learn as writers go into actually uh, producing a game show, which is what you do, John, yes. and uh, writing game shows, which is what you do, Brett. And actually, the two of you were talking, and you, you cross over and do very similar things. So we're going to be talking about that, and I really want everybody to pay attention because as with all jobs that involve writing. If you're on a game show, you're a working writer, okay? And you can learn from any kind of scripted writing. So we're gonna talk to, about that. But before we talk about that, we're gonna go back to Sharknado for just a second, <laughs> because oh when we talked about it last week, as we know, uh, Ryan was one of the stars of Sharknado. Absolutely, right <laughs> next to Finn. Uh, yes, yeah. he Three was. second scene, It was big deal. Yeah, it was huge. Actually, I think they're changing the posters just to have his like, you know, bloody <laughs> face in the sand. Bud's Nado. And uh, Bud's Nado, that's right. <laughs> and so I had put out on Facebook on July 15th, in honor of Sharknado, I want to know what your hybrid disaster movie would be. So I put that out to the people who uh, are on the on the page Facebook page, and I encourage you to get on there. I got 97 responses. Let's oh read boy. a couple wow, of nice. them. Um, let's see. We've got Spermacane. How about that? Okay. That's a, a good first one. Yeah. <laughs> right out of the gate. Right and, out. We're beginning, and, eh? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, we have uh, uh, T-Rexorcist. That's not bad. Oh, I like That's that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Ghostly dinosaur. Uh, Catnado. Mm -hmm. uh, tiger Swarm. Let's see. What else? Hippopocalypse. Ooh. Wow. Clever. Yeah. Clever. They're actually very dangerous. They kill more animal, more humans than any other animal yearly. I swear to God, it's hippopotamus? true. Hippopotamus, yeah, Look it up. Right. Hippopotamus is like the most deadly animal. Really? Because people think they're so adorable or that they're, oh, look, it's hungry, hungry hippos. You know, like they just yeah. don't realize and then they, they get too close on a safari or something and it takes them down. Is that I'm the telling thing? you, the hippos are, are deadly. That's a great one. Okay. All right. Uh, that person is onto something. Maybe we could write the next movie. <laughs> we have uh, Obama Care Bear. Mm. <laughs> We've got Gerbil Rain. We've got... Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Sunak. Sunak. Starring Richard Gere. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> terrible. I, had I can't even... Some I can't... Um, let's see. Uh, Ishtarmageddon. 
<laughs> oh, we know where that's headed for. Yeah. Um, let's see. We have um, uh, Frost Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty but good. Frost plays in. Yeah, yeah, love cold. it. Love it. Good. Um, Ocean's 9-11. That's terrible. That's oh. pretty bad. That's bad. I shouldn't even have read that. Um, Vul- Vulcan Vulcanaconda. Vulcanaconda. <laughs> Vulcanaconda. That's that's not bad. You got Vulcan wow. and Anaconda. It would be like one of those it'd be like a giant peanut brittle can. Right. That when you open it and all the <laughs> anacondas come flying Yes. <laughs> Shrimp apocalypse. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and Godzilla. Godzilla. Wait. I don't get that. Godzilla. One. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that. One. <laughs> no. How about a uh, Wolfquake? Wolfquake is that good? Is I that? I like a uh, hurricane. That's a hurricane full of feral cats. Oh, how hurricane. about hurricane? Oh. oh, super cats are good in the internet. They love. Well, what cats. about what about ball lizard? It's just a blizzard full of lizards. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. What about um, Hurrigator? Hurrigator. No. <laughs> I, I would be terrified of that. <laughs> what about furricane? That's uh, somebody wrote in on that one. Furricane. That's Furca- even. That's even better. Furca- okay. Okay. <laughs> what did These you are all have? good. Was yours hurricane? Hurricane. 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 Yeah. Hurricane. Well, see, that implies that they're adorable. That it's a hurricane that's of adorable, so cuddly scary. cats. That's, that yeah. makes it scary. That sounds like, like something you put on ah. like a sore or something. <laughs> From ah <laughs> to ah. That could, would be on the post. You know, this is the thing about Facebook, right? We could just do this all day. We could do so it. I, I have to stop reading them. Okay, the real, thank you. The real sequel to Sharknado takes place in New York City. They're starting to film it pretty soon. Really? Mm-hmm. Do the sharks come back? Or because you think about The sharks take a train across the whole country and then just pop out of the train. I think that's how it works. Well, wouldn't that be like, wouldn't rats be better? Like rat NATO in Rat-nado. New York City? You, that yeah. would make more sense. Pigeon yeah. NATO. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't I care. Know. As long as something's trying to eat Ian's earring, I yes. don't care. I'm He's watching. the only one signed on for the sequel, too. Well, I saw a picture with Ryan and, and Ian and who else was it? Uh, Tara Reid. Tara uh, Reed. Mr. Belding was right at the red carpet. I don't know what oh, he was wow. doing. Dennis Haskins was there? Dennis wow. Haskins was there. Taking a break from the karaoke club? Oh, that's right. There's uh, Ian's that, Look, he's showing that's his picture. That's a great picture. All that's right. Great. There you go. You all look like a bunch of movie stars. Maybe we'll share that one on Facebook, too. But if you want to go to the On The Page Facebook page and check out some of the things that people put down, but also a particularly bloody picture of Ryan in Sharknado, please do. Um, we are going to now turn our attentions to our guests, Brett Calvert and John Ritchie. And actually, instead of me introducing you guys, because I looked at your IMDb and like, Brett, you had like a million things, and John, none of the stuff I knew that you did was posted. And right. instead, I'm going to ask you guys to talk about, tell tell everybody a few of the things that you've done in sort of the game show arena or something that could be categorized that way. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I got my start in improv comedy. I did that for years and years. And uh, then award shows, the first writing jobs I got were, were from award shows. Um, uh, thanks to Audrey Morrissey, I just got to give a shout out because she is the EP still of The Voice and gave me my first writing job and I will always be in her debt. Um, the first game show I did was, um, uh, I only mentioned that because through that show, the CMT Music Awards, Jeff Foxworthy was the host. So I developed a relationship with him and so later on when they needed a writer for Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, um, his management and Jeff decided to give me a call. So that's how I got started, was was writing jokes for Foxworthy on uh, Fifth Grader. Um, since then, uh, it's been Minute to Win It. Uh, I just finished a show called Trust Me, I'm a Game Show Host with Michael Ian Black and D.L. Hughley, which I am so excited about. Oh, yeah? It is so hilarious. I've never... 
a lot of times when you're writing game shows, you write stuff that you know you don't particularly find funny because it's, it might be a different audience and it's more of a family-oriented thing. So, you know, you're, you have to remember who you're speaking to. And, and this time, I just spent an hour falling out of my chair every time we shot. It so was just tears rolling down my face. It was... It was so much fun. It's going to be such, uh, I, I think it's going to be such a, a well-received show. I'm so excited about that. I'm that's glad you great. can talk about it, too. Good, because it, well, yeah. I'm not, I can't say too much, well, but I'm just saying it. that's the name. That's who's in it. It's great. You, TBS, you're going to love it. Awesome. And then, John, you're currently producing. Uh, million Second Quiz. Million Second Quiz. Yes. How many minutes are a million seconds? A million seconds is roughly 11 and a half days. <laughs> is that <laughs> Yes. So when this game begins in September, this million second countdown will begin, and the game will literally last 24 hours, seven days a week, and until that million seconds is up. And once a night on NBC, it will be live. Really? Yeah. Oh my That's God! How yeah. it's a very ambitious uh, game, and it's 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 live, which is great. So it's it's how game shows, you know, should be done live to tape anyway. So if something goes wrong, we're just gonna roll with it and just make it happen. And I think it's gonna have a lot of energy, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Wow. And, and players, people are gonna be able to uh, play literally in sync with the show. So as they're watching it, they'll be able to say play the same questions online on their mobile device. And that's something you couldn't have done if the show came out in Correct. the '90s, for right. example. Right. right. And because we're live, you know, a lot of the material or, or a good chunk of it is going to be literally topical. They're going to be writing literally right up to uh, air. So we can say, you know, this morning, so-and-so said, or, you know, last oh, week, what unique. did so-and-so say? Very so cool. very interesting questions that you really, if you want to win, you not only have to have that pop culture and trivia knowledge, but you have to know what's going on literally in the moment because that's where some of the questions are going to come from. Way to keep people watching, yes. John. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then before that, uh, you were on Scrabble, right? Before that, I did well. The, when I first first uh, started in game shows, I was um, I started out directing Prices Right Live in Atlantic City. I was hired by Fremantle to to do that, and then I moved to contestant registration. And then towards the end, I was producing the show. Uh, we were doing Prices Right Live and Family Feud Live in Atlantic City. So that was kind of my start in in producing, and and uh, and because it was live theater, uh, again, there was no stopping. If something went wrong, if electronics broke, you just made a decision, you made a call, you went with it, and you just, you know, you moved on. So it was great training ground for doing shows because there was no stopping for 20 minutes and figuring out, okay, what are we going to do? So uh, so that was a great start of doing uh, Price and uh, and Feud. And then I did a lot of pilots when I came out here. Uh, but stuff that aired, I did Scrabble Showdown on the Hub. And last year did uh, The Pyramid, which was on uh, GSN last How, year, which was now, so much fun. One thing I know about John uh, that many people might not know is that this guy lives and breathes game shows. I do. Like like from a from a young age, yes. right? Like yes. like you were a kid and a you kid. and you just uh, that's I don't know what all it was. you've ever that's wanted. That's all I wanted to do. And so when you were finally a producer on Pyramid. Yes. The one of the shows you must have grown up on. How did that feel? I I I did everything I could. There was there's a lot a lot of people that I'm thankful for that that got to me where I am today. And um, I know uh, Dason Perkins, who was uh, the head of um, uh, programming at GSN at the time, uh, did everything he could to get me. And I came in in the last hour, and I said to him, I grew up with this show. I love this show. Please do anything you can. And I just started as a writer, which was fine, because I got my foot in the door and writing the material for the show. Then I was uh, made producer, and then during the show, I was one of the judges. Uh, so 
there's a small number of people that actually can say that they've done that, which is great. But um, that's all I ever wanted to do. So to, to be able to be part of a classic remake like that, that's amazing. Well, I'm just going to sort of pick up on that for a second and, and sort of address, you know, why writing for game shows might be interesting to people. Like, what is the magic that you find in game shows in general that, that people can sort of look at and, and look, at, look at game shows with different eyes, maybe? Well, it's, uh, it's much like any writing, even if you're writing a, uh, writing a script or a TV show or whatever. But I love the fact that you literally can sit down with a blank piece of paper and I can do anything I want. I can create any game I want, any rule I want, as, as long as it makes sense. But you're literally in charge of just doing anything you want. And there's many times where, you know, you're developing a show and you're doing run-throughs and something will come up and that you didn't think of. What happens if, uh, you know, you, you hit this answer and, and you go, oh, I didn't think of that. Okay, well, we'll do, we'll do this. And it's, it's like putting a fine, uh, it's like putting a watch together. You know, all the pieces have to go together. It has to all make sense. But you can literally do whatever you want. You can make any rule, like I said, as long as it makes sense of the game. Um, but it's just it's 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 exciting, and you get to see people win, which is amazing. That's what I was going to say. As as a viewer, you know, you say what to have a viewer look at it at different eyes. I, I think, and also as, as a writer, your your job is, um, you know, developing characters, and you have to know their motivations, and you have to root for them, or you have to root against them. And we get a chance to do that every episode with a real person. You know, we get to find we get to take this contestant, we get to find out, you know, earlier on we'll find out things about him, know what we want to discuss with him, their reasons, what they're going to do with the money, you know. And sometimes it's completely frivolous nonsense, but you get these people with some really intriguing stories that really need this money and kind of sets up a basis for watching them go through this journey and seeing their highs and lows and the times when it's scary they might lose it all or the times when they're triumphant and they've won a bunch and you know and at the end um are they going to go home and get that thing that they really wanted or that they really needed or is are they going to get that close and and fall short so it can be very dramatic um and i'm very much the same way i grew up loving game shows i was a contestant on the price is right when i was 18. nice still possibly the greatest day of my life <laughs> i feel uh, that way too i was on Bob the Parker. hollywood squares that's right, awesome. right? That's right. um in the special survivor after Africa episode wow. where you only got one shot at it and they were doing a, a, a sort of a millionaire round because millionaire was so so cool at the time so in one show I won $18,500 nice. that's amazing and I started on the page that's that was game shows are changing <laughs> lives right. and I have to say and, and Ryan can attest to this we worked together on Minute to Win It right. um, a lot of the contestants would come in there was this one guy that needed an eye surgery he had been yeah. um uh, been losing sight in his eye since left eye since birth, and if you know the show, you have to do these really intricate, skilled, steady-handed, you know, uh, accurate things. These these games that you have to play. Um, but it was so important to him what he was playing for. So he just practiced so much. And so this, you're watching this kid go out with one eye and literally playing for another one um, was was really remarkable. So he, you know, you know, he's at a disadvantage going in. Uh, and still watching him either triumph or fail through that is, is a really, it's a dramatic story. So, you know, a lot of times we're passed off as, as frivolous entertainment. Like, oh, it's just a game show and it's this fluff. But there's really some dramatic moments going on in, in the midst of it. And do you think that in uh, the age and times of reality television that that element is enhanced over the years? Like, uh, do you think that it, it has gotten a, uh, to a much higher point? Like somebody playing for their eye, for example, as opposed to somebody on 
match game. I, I think the producers one. have taken a greater interest in the backstory. Sure. I think in the sixties and seventies it was here's Glenn, a house or exactly. you know, yeah, he's right. a you know, house builder from Iowa. And that's the, all we ever knew maybe about. The stakes them. weren't as high exactly. for that person. Yeah. Um and so in and it can still be about the game and about the, you know celebrity hosts or celebrity panels or all those other things. Mm -hmm. But I think I think I don't know if it's because of reality television, but I do know that producers and the American public have taken a greater interest in the contestants as people. Yeah. Um, well, before they were just they could just fill in a slot. So there may there may actually be some good effect then of of reality <laughs> and the fact that we're looking at, at people as their own stories Absolutely. instead of just players in the game. Although I think John, you would know this better than I. Um, in the fifties, when what is it, the sixty four thousand mm -hmm. dollar question? Twenty one. Like, oh, sixty four thousand dollar question. Those were the two big ones. Yeah, and 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 wasn't there that sort of story aspect sometimes with people as well? Like they would have like a housewife saying what she wants to win the money for and well, things like that. Twenty one, which is the one that really kind of that blew the the, uh, the the scandal, and their um, their thing was different. They wanted someone to continue. It was more about a show of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it was people that were tuning in, watching all this money about ordinary people. That oh my god, I can't believe they know all this stuff. Now, granted, we found out later that they were, you know, giving them the answers. But that was their motivation: was watching this person literally win week after week after week after week. Something like on sixty-four thousand dollar question, which was different, which was categories. They wanted to see the little old lady that could answer the questions about boxing, or the little kid that knew about physics. So that's that's where that that's where their little twist came in. They wanted to see the the unorthodox contestant knew, you know, uh, weird categories. Got it. You got know. It. So but uh, and to go back to what you said about reality, the the one thing that reality did do for game shows cuz for a while it killed game shows. Uh, but what the the help that it did do was if you watch shows like Big Brother and Survivor and things like that, all they're doing is playing big life-size games mm -hmm. and when they're playing the true or false game or whatever it is they're playing you can almost pinpoint and go well they're kind of playing password they're kind of playing you know so they're they they were bringing back those type of games to an audience that didn't see it for a while and i think that helped people look and go well maybe we can do game shows again because for a while they were they were absent from television absolutely and i think to add to that i think the real resurgence came with uh Millionaire. The most recent resurgence Absolutely. came with Millionaire. And if you watch that show, and same thing with uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, which would shortly on its heels and was a big success, um, so little of screen time is actually spent playing the game. Yes. Like that you ask you ask the question and there's an answer. Asking the question and saying the answer takes a grand total of 30 seconds. And you do that maybe eight, nine times an episode. The rest of the time is spent getting to know you. What would it mean to you if you got this right? What would change in your life if you were able to get to this next step? Or do you want to go on? Do you want to make this risk? You Let's have a big decision to make. Let's hear from your family who might help you Let's win this money. Let's hear your family. What yeah. kind of person are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, this, so it's a lot more um, development, again, of, of the character. And um, there's, there's still games that are very busy and are constant motion, but games that have been more popular recently uh, just you know, the actual game itself isn't isn't that much is, isn't that much of the volume of the time. Well, let's talk about being a writer um, on these shows and 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 being a producer. What is the process? What what are your jobs like? Um, well, it depends on the show. Some it um, if I'm working for a company that's developing a show, I'll go in and we'll have meetings about the rules and we'll discuss. Here's what we want to do. We can't do that because. Uh, and then once we get it to a place that we think it's it's presentable. 
Uh, we find a, a simple way to explain to the audience what the rules are and how to play, make sure they know everything that's going on. And then we'll do it in run-throughs. And most of the time, I'll, I'll host those uh, for whatever company I'm working for, and we'll do those internally, and then we'll do them for, you know, for pitches. Um, and then from there, it's just kind of plugging in the pieces, finding all the elements that work. And more often than not, there's things changing right up until the day before you shoot the first one. Because usually when you shoot the first one, everything, it's, that's the game, and mm -hmm. it's got to stay like that. But they're, they're still, you know, and maybe we should only give them a minute and a half instead of two minutes, maybe four questions this round instead of five. You know, you're still fine-tuning it for the audience. Um, and then on, on game day, on showtime, uh, my job is to, uh, I sit at a microphone and the host has a little, little thing in his ear and, uh, just if something funny comes up or if there's something we want to talk to the contestant about, just kind of prompt him where the story is going or feed him some good lines and now it's time to go to commercial and that sort of thing. Yeah, so you, uh, on your IMDB page is a host producer, yes. right? And so you do that a lot and you, you're literally, like you said, feeding feeding him lines. Now, are these jokes? Are they comebacks? Are a they lot of the times they are jokes and comebacks. Uh, what I love, and this is the other type, when I'm not in development, when they've already established a show and they have a celebrity host and they just bring me in uh, to work with them, I will meet with them in the morning, we'll go over the questions, we'll go over the contestants' bios, find little funny things that we want to talk about and establish some jokes, that things that we want to hit on ahead of time. And then, but just like anything, uh, you know, just like any other reality-based thing, you never know how the person's going to respond. You never know what the contestant's going to say. So we also have to, you know, be on our toes. So while I'm on the microphone in the ear, I'm reminding him of the stuff that we came up with in the morning. Like, remember this joke, now it's time for that. Here's where we're going to do this bit. Uh, and also if something spontaneous happens, saying, oh, yo, hurry up and say this, you know, you know, da, da, da. no, wait, don't tell him the answer yet. I want you to say this first, you know. Wow, that was... I, I that, I, that's a lot cool of multitasking. It was very cool watching yeah. uh, Brett on <laughs> from the wings, you know, and uh, with Apollo, who was the host of Minute to Win It. And, uh, you know, he'd run up to the last minute and say something. And then Apollo also has the earpiece in. Right. And I, I was not I was not on mic in his ear for that show. So I would yeah. go up during the breaks and be like, here's what's coming up. And, and here's, you know, what I need you to say. And mm -hmm. here's how you can encapsulate it. And, and try you this know. line, you know, with these yeah. people or whoever they are. Which and, is, yeah. I think, when you, you know, sitcom writing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, the writers are doing that. You know, in in the rehearsals, right? They're they're running in and saying, "Okay, add this line, do that." I mean, it's there's there's some some uh, definite. I think I so. told the story on this podcast of working on here and getting the audience to chant every second counts after Apollo yes, says you yes. got a minute to win it, and then the audience yells the second part, and that was something that he was saying every time. And then I was like, "What if the audience yelled the second part? That's kind of cool." And they could cut to the audience going nuts, and they ended up using it. I think I told that on Yeah, there. and um, they use it all the time now, right? Yeah, they used it on yep. quite a bit of the episodes. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. How much does yeah. Ryan make with that? <laughs> oh, it's, it's checks in the mail. Okay. I promise all right. you. Don't worry. manager, I get to <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get a green envelope very soon. Okay. And then, John, um, so we were talking about the fact that uh, you love structure. You yes. love structure. Not a lot of people do. Yes. Um, and that is part of what makes you a really good game show producer. So tell me a little bit about your job. What do, what do you do? This, in terms of what I do or in, in a game show, there's really three areas that you will find writing. One is creating the game because you can, you can have a great idea, uh, but now you have to communicate that to someone. And you know, we don't have the luxury like we had years ago where networks were literally, you know, throwing money away making pilots. Uh, you have to now pitch it. And normally it will be either on paper or in the room. And no matter how you're doing that, you have to convey that clearly and simply to someone. So that's the first one is 
you create the game and then can you write it out in a way and explain it to someone that makes sense that doesn't sound confusing because the minute you lose them you know it, it sounds too complicated and they don't want to they don't want to go any further with it the other one is host script if you do get to the point where you're doing doing a show now you have to write the host copy and what is the host saying what are the rules um, and again very clear very concise uh, there's many times when you you'll, I'll sit down and I'll you know write you know the rules and then the minute you read it you go oh my god this at one point, you know, you're seeing people gloss over because that's too much information. It's like so the, now the rules in it like a board game, yeah, right? Exactly. You don't want that. Too much. So now you have to figure, okay, you know what? Let me say this part because that's all the audience needs to know right now. When the secret schwengi comes up, we'll talk about that later, you know? So you have to figure out how are you going to parse that stuff out and write the script so you only say what you need at a certain amount of time because the minute you lose the, the viewer... Or even in the room, if you're pitching to executives, the minute you lose them, if they're on their phones, that's done. So that's host copy and, and script. And the other one is game material. And very, very difficult to do, especially if you're doing uh, trivia. You have, to, you have to research the stuff. You have to make sure you pin it properly so it, you, you, there's no other answer that can, because that's the last thing you want, especially if you're doing big money games and pe people are playing for literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. You don't want someone coming out and say, you know what, that cartoon character actually did appear on an episode of such and such, so I, I was right. So you have to research, you have to write every word. I, I, I listen sometimes to the writers on the show and they're literally debating every word in that question to make sure that it's concise and there's one answer to this question. So that's a huge, a huge part of a game right. show is the and, material. And incredibly difficult. And, I, and I've only seen it happen two or three times. But, you know, no matter how studious and, and, and hard happen. they were, yes. it, it still it yes. happens and it, and it is always a big deal. So it's the attention to detail is Yeah, I host really trivia important. at bars uh, in, the, in the Los Angeles area mm -hmm. and did back in Chicago, too. And people fight me on questions all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And... We're playing for a $25 gift card. That's right. <laughs> so That's I right. could just imagine if it's a $25,000 gift card That's or right. cash or whatever it is, the amount of pressure that is to make sure those questions are accurately worded. That's well, right. What, what about, okay, in the world of Wikipedia, okay, what, what, says, no, this is, this is original source material? Like this, this makes it a fact. Wikipedia is never accepted as a source for. I mean, oh, it good. could Thank it could God. be okay. never. I mean, there's some places where if it's a third or fourth source, that's fine. Uh -huh. But it's never considered a source because everybody can can update it. There's different sources you can find if if it's uh, you know what did William Shatner say was such and such, and you happen to find an interview somewhere online or mm. a video or something, or you know what did Starbucks say was their most selling you know coffee brand, and you went to Starbucks.com, that's considered like a mother source. So it depends on where the source comes from you can consider you know uh, the quality of it but you just usually have to uh, double or triple source and if you can find that legitimately on certain places it's considered but then that goes to other head researchers and they'll rip it apart as well wow. and and look at it and go I don't know it's, it's this great area here and if it's no good the best thing to do is just throw it out and, and, and now in else. the world of Wikipedia I, I would imagine everybody thinks they're an expert so you probably get even more people that are debating than, sure yeah. Yeah, and especially some of those things that are uh, you know common misconceptions people people are very adamant about things that we know for a fact are not true that's right <laughs> you know, sometimes people will really stomp their foot and you know but but that's you know if you that's why it's so important to do all that research and to get multiple pins so that you can say actually Absolutely not. This because not that's the great kind of question. The, the the great question that you ask, that people jump for, 
and you've, I don't want to say trick them because that's not the right word, mm-hmm. but you know, there's, there's great questions where you know they're going to go one way because yeah. that's what everybody thinks. And if you can elicit from the audience, oh, I didn't know that. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Then you got them because now you're learning something and you're also, um, it's, it's a great moment, especially when someone is confident you know, on something that Absolutely. you they think they know, and you go, actually, that's not the case. Yeah. So those are the great questions. Because there's some questions we go, you know, there's many times we'll re- review a whole bunch of questions, and you go, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? They're, they're, it's a good question. It's a question. But who cares? Mm-hmm. You want those ones that are going to go, oh. And then, you know, you got good material. Absolutely. And, and, we, and, and I think that by the time that this airs, that we will be already into them uh, displaying ads for the new show. So just real quick, the um, the premise of Trust Me, I'm a Game Show is they each say this bizarre fact. Um, and there's two hosts, D.L. Hughley and Michael Ian Black, they each say this bizarre fact. One of them is a true fact and one of them is not true. So if you anyone who ever says you can't prove a negative, call a game show producer because yes. he mm-hmm. will find a way yes. <laughs> to do it. Because um, you know that we had to prove that these things were made up. We couldn't just make them up and say it's fake because we made it up. We had to prove that it was not. Oh, true. how interesting! Yeah. I didn't know that you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, in this type of a format, and they were making stuff up, so you have to. Well, who's to say that you know a pig was never on the prices right? Maybe it was. So, just because you sat and thought it up and said I made that up, you could actually back yourself into something that really happened. So you have to prove something didn't happen. Yeah. No, wow. I don't want to give away the premise of the show that you're you're producing with my husband Pat, mm-hmm. John. Uh, but yeah, John and Pat have. Uh, developed a, a show along with Jimmy Pardo. Yes. Uh, uh, brilliant comedian, Jimmy Pardo. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> and uh, and they've had it at UCB for, what, how many years? Oh, my was God. I was just trying to figure that out. I was thinking four or five, something Yeah, like that. and it <laughs> sort of kept developing, and, and John kept adding graphics until it was like, this is <clears throat> an show. awesome game show. Yeah. Thank and you. so it's had Comedy Central attached, it's had TBS it's attached, it's, has, it's been everywhere. <laughs> and it, but it's still, it still has some, <clears throat> some life in it. Yes. There is a small element of what, what uh, Brett was just talking about. Are you going to have to go back and disprove things, do you think? Um, no, in, in that format, because <clears throat> the way that works is the celebrity improv panelist comes to us with stuff, information about them. Um, we really didn't have to worry about that too much. Uh, the other thing that we had in our game, which if it gets on television, I don't know what the case will be, but we always tried to follow the match game um, formula mm-hmm. where we're, we were literally playing for nothing because it's all it was for the fun. Right. And that's the thing. The minute you, you know, there's been a lot of game shows where they'll take some, some real simple fun premise and stick a million dollars on it. And it kills it because the minute you put big money on something, it makes it more important. And if you're just doing something for fun, so if, if you know, one of the comics gives something away or whatnot, it's not that big of a deal because we're just sitting here you know, having fun. So for, for the material that we have having for that show, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that much. And actually, as a producer and writer on that game, we loved that because... The panelists were coming and supplying the material right. for us, right. which is great. You know, Absolutely. you, you come to, to us, we didn't have to make stuff up. So that was great because the minute you sit down and you come up with a show and you have material, oh my God, it's, it sometimes can be daunting because depending on how much you have in the show, now multiply that, you know, a, a network will put an order in for maybe 40, 65 shows and now do the math. You right. need a lot of material yeah. for a certain show. And that's why, to your point, sometimes, you know, I, I sat down one day and I, I looked at Pyramid when I was doing it. And we were going through the rounds. And 
if you actually figure it out in 22 minutes, there's eight minutes of ga- gameplay yeah. in Pyramid. There's oh, really? eight minutes of actual gameplay in Pyramid. Wow. The rest is talking to the contestants, giving the rules, uh, recapping what goes on. I don't want to say fluff, but if, if it's done well, you don't notice it. Right. So, so that's the other thing, too, is you, know, you don't want to pa- pack too much stuff into a show because then, good luck, you now have to come up with a lot of material. And it's, it's incredibly daunting if, if that's the case. And I think the most masterful example of that would be uh, Howie Mandel on Deal or No Deal. Yes. Like there is just so little actual activity that needs to be done. But he did the best job of making it look like it was an hour's worth of television. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, he that really making ex decision, every decision uh, momentous and tense and yet you know, still having frivolous fun. Like he just did a, a masterful job of filling that time um, because it, 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 that's, it, that's the whole trick is to make them, I don't want to say trick, but that's the whole thing is to entertain them uh, with the game even though you're not playing the game most exactly, of the time. Exactly, right. And there's two, going back to when you said about, you know, contestants, there's, there's two great contestants. It's on the spectrum. A contestant that just is okay is never going to be memorable. You either want this person to win so bad because whatever they you want them to win incredibly bad or you want them to lose you don't like them you hate them and you want them off the show because now i have a stake in the show i either am rooting for you or i want you off the show and that's the two and that's where you would cast those kind of people and that's why there's another you know part of of the game shows is the casting too because you could have a great game and if you don't have interesting people playing it it's just going to be a yawn. So you have to have a good game that's that's going to in, uh, engross the the viewer. And like you said, these are your cast. This is this is a, a play with these real people as a cast of characters, and you have to have some investment investment in them, or you have nothing. And sometimes you don't know what characters are going to be till halfway through <clears throat> shooting the episode. You know, you'll really think, oh, that you know, he was really funny in the interview, and he seems like he's got a lot of personality with her. And you get up there, and the guy's kind of a jerk. Yep. You know, oh, and you were planning on America who... loving this guy and pulling mm-hmm. for him, and then he gets out there, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see him fall <laughs> on his face. And you kind of <laughs> working with the host, you kind of have to adjust your approach because he can never be like mean to the guy or show him, you know, that. You know, he has to do everybody the same, but you can still kind of steer him away from trying to hold him up. You know, right. as as a as a hero. You know, it's it's interesting. It's really it's fun and it's fluid. And uh, uh, you know, yeah, you've done Brett. You you also did a lot of clip shows. Yes, uh, we're talking about you worked for National Entertainment, and you you know, is there any kind of sort of crossover between clip shows and and uh, game shows? Um. Clip shows are really a completely different. Well, the one thing that we do that's the same is sitting. When I work with hosts, I'll sit down and we'll just brainstorm jokes and you know write things together. And that happens in clip shows. But other than than that little piece of the process, it's really an entirely different animal. And I adore clip shows. I want to work on clip shows for the rest of my life. Uh, we just did one called Bloopers uh, with Dean Kane, which is went straight to syndication. So it's been the most lucrative you know, financially speaking, a television show I've worked on, but also the most just fun. Because what you do is you sit in a room with, you know, the other writers, and you watch these videos of people hurting themselves, (laughs) and you just crack jokes. You just make fun of them to each other like you would with your buddies anyway. You just crack these jokes. Um, You know, somebody, our assistant, will write all the jokes down, just keep a list of all the things that we've said while watching them, and then finding a coherent way to tell uh, a story in 15 seconds um, and hitting these funny moments that we came up with in the room. Um, and it's a great writing exercise because you really do have to 
tell them everything they need to know uh, about this person in the video or make something up completely, but establish it as a this tiny little story in usually like 15 to 30 seconds. And so it's it's really interesting to actually, you know, make that coherent to people that quick because it, it, I mean, it'd be very easy just to show on uh, I worked on a show for MTV called Ridiculousness and they're more of a just uh, you know you see the thing and it's like oh that really hurt like oh my god now look at this one it's just rapid fire boom 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 a lot of the other shows I've worked on is more of just like I said writing this little story exactly. or writing a story that you can use five or six clips on and connecting them all together um, and just making this like through line it's, it's a very interesting process and, and, and it so many uh, writing elements and skills can be developed and, and, and honed in that process. Plus, it's just so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. What does a script look like for a game show episode? Is there an actual script yes. that you're you're following beat for beat? Uh, not usually. Well, yes, people are following. It's it's more like a flow chart. Chart kind of the outline of what it's is an outline, happening. but it's also uh, you know uh, okay. Host asks question. If right, do this. If wrong, do this. Like a if choose your own adventure script. Yeah, exactly. Very much. <laughs> you have to figure out every scenario that's going to happen and jump to tiebreaker. Jump to you know. Uh, so oh, so great. yes, you have to have the outline of what the the show is. Now, <clears throat> in terms of uh, host, if you're you know. Uh, lucky enough to have hosts that literally can just you know go with it. Somebody like Jimmy Pardo is not holding on to that script. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. He's going, and and that's the best part of especially when you're doing a comedy game, is is you know having somebody like Jimmy who literally uh, just can very effortlessly weave in and out of the game. Yeah. Because that's what he does, right. and that's what you want. You want some funny moments here. Something happens, a contestant says something funny. That's the 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 the. You know, the old joke of, you know, how are you doing today? Well, you know, my mother just died. Well, that's great. Good to have you here. Because you're not listening. You're not listening to anything the contestant said. And that's the biggest key of, especially if you're doing something, you know, in, a, in the comedy game world, is, uh, you know, stuff like Barker would listen to that contestant because that contestant is going to guide the rest of the, uh, the rest of the show. And he's always made the comment of, even though they played the same games for 40 years and they're still playing those games, those games are different every day because of the different contestants you have. It's going to bring a different personality. So, But anyway, in terms of script, yes, you have, to, you have to have a script and you have to have all the language of what's going to happen. And if we go into a tiebreaker, go to page 42. That's the tiebreaker script. And so you're literally jumping around. Gotcha. Even though you, the game looks linear, uh -huh. uh, it's, it's, it's an if-then-else of what's happening. And, and for the most part, those things are evergreen. Like, uh, aside from you know, the interaction with the contestants and maybe the teases yeah, or the static. bump outs and things yep. like that, the rules are evergreen so, simply for legal reasons that every contestant has it explained to them in the exact same way right so there's there are parts that are stalwarts mm -hmm. uh, of, of speech but then you know everything around it is is you know where the host and comes in and right then, yeah you kind of right that's what the the character of the of the contestant drives the rest of it right now um we're gonna wrap up here so i just was wondering do you have any advice for people who might want to break in as writer producers in the game show world well as as you alluded to in in, in introducing john you have to love it you really really have to if you if you if it if, if watching a game show is something that that you don't actually enjoy if you if you have a preconceived notion about it it's not it's not going to work because it is a lot of time it is a lot of hours it is a lot of material that's never going to be used it is a lot of changes at the last minute and some great idea you had is never going to see the light of day there's a lot of frustration 
from that involved. But you just have to be in love with, with the with the final product. Um, but I would say the best way to get into the, the position I do is is in comedy circles. Do stand up, do open mic anywhere you can. Take improv classes. Just meet the right people. It's it's really a comedy. Uh, my particular position is really a comedy-driven thing, and it just the more experience you have in that, meeting the right people, and it's just uh, being known as, some, as someone funny that they, they think they can get one-liners out of. And that's that's really the best you can do is just keep honing that craft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough circle, the game show circle, or at least you know the core of it. I was lo very lucky, you know, to get in uh, on how I did. But um, you know, it, you do have to love it. You have to, and you have to know it. You know, I you know I say this all the time. You have to know where game shows came from to know where they're going. Uh, to be able to come up with, you know, rules or, you know, you're not borrowing from other places, but there's, there's trite and true game show um, formats of, you know, if you get this right, you get the points. If not, he automatically gets them. There's, there's little things like that that's just been done over the years. So you, so you really have to know what came before to be able to, to create and go forward. And you really have to see what's, you know, I learned a big thing coming into the business because, you know, you sit down and you say, I got a great idea for a game show. And, you know, Mark Summers, who I love is a dear friend of mine, would literally, I would send him stuff and he'd look at it and he'd go, great idea if it was 1956 and <laughs> Bill Cullen was alive. <laughs> Where are we gonna sell it today? So you really have to step back and even though it's a, you go, this is a great game show, is it something that you think can sell in today's marketplace? Because it's very different. So, so you have to you have to know what you're going to sell. Because if you're if you're out hawking a game that you, no one's going to buy, you're going to be wasting your time. Uh, but it's it's tough. I you know I was doing it in the times when there was you know the internet was kind of just kind of you know kicking in. I literally there was a book I can't remember what it was called that literally had a list of agents in it, and I didn't know you were not supposed to do this. I would just call them <laughs> and say, "Hey, I got I got an idea. You want to repre uh, represent me?" And they'd kind of stop for a second and go, oh, this, is, "This is strange." But there's some that actually you know did that. So come up with a good idea, you know, hone it, figure it out. And the the best advice I can give to uh, came from me uh, came from Bob Stewart, who was created Price is Right and to tell the truth in password classic games. You look at a game and you think this is a great game. This is so good. I, I did so good, you know, creating this game. And that's the wrong thing to do. Sit and look at this thing and go, what's wrong with it? Never mind what's good with it. What's wrong with it? Because when you do that, you can't just have those rose-colored rose glasses on. You have to look at it and go, well, maybe, maybe I'm thinking this is not good, but I got to pick it apart a little bit more. And so you really have to get it to a point where it's really good. And then you just hope that you can contact some people and, and they'll take a, a chance on you. It's, it's, it's difficult because agents will not look at unsolicited ideas and it's tough to get an agent if you don't have a, a track record. So it's difficult, but it's not impossible. How close a game show is to a screenplay. Hi, I Pilar. know, just hearing <laughs> that. I've, we've heard that advice oh, before. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for being here. Are there uh, websites that people should look you up on or, or Follow Twitter? Follow me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, at this Brett, is Brett Calvert. Just make sure you don't, there's only one T in Brett, so at Brett Calvert. Okay. Um, and seriously, I'm telling you guys, TBS starting in October. Trust me, I'm a game show host. Okay, yeah, I'm keep telling you, it. it's hilarious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, what absolutely. about what about you, John? No, not really. I you know there's there's a website I have, but it's it's usually just for for stuff for you know producers and stuff to go on it. So, but um, leave John alone. Yeah, I really, I can't don't be bothered. Honestly, don't even <laughs> seriously. Try. Busy, honestly. And then uh, and three, then Ryan. Three two three eight six nine four one two four. Ryan, where can people see you do trivia and comedy and all of that? If you 
you go to my website, RyanBuds, R-Y-A-N-B-U-D-D-S dot com, you can see all my trivia locations, all the places I'm doing stand-up, and uh, the fun stuff like my apartment show that I do in my apartment complex yeah. courtyard, which a couple of your listeners came to last month, which was very cool. <laughs> yeah. So if you are a listener in the LA area, uh, September 7th, the Starlet Apartments in Burbank, California, 7 p.m. Come, such come a great see some idea. free live comedy. Fritz Coleman, the weatherman, will be there. I, I, Fritz amazing. Coleman! Fritz yeah. Coleman! Yeah! <laughs> It's going to be pretty um, cool. And I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv. Uh, the fall classes are starting. The first draft class, it'll take you from premise into pages in six weeks. I promise you. I promise. Um, and I want to dedicate this show to my late grandmother. My grandmother, uh, B. Rosenberg, who, of course, lived in Miami because that's the law. Exactly. Um, (laughs) She passed away at the age of 92 last year, but she loved game shows, and she loved it so much that she would just watch the game show network like all day. It was always on. And when I when I won on Hollywood Squares, I called her up. I had like the fever, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Grandma, Grandma, what else should I should I try out for? You watch these shows all the time. And she goes, That match game is a wonderful show. Because <laughs> she'd been watching these reruns from like '74. Right. That Larry Hovis is hilarious. She was, she was like, Gene Rayburn is a scream, right? <laughs> and so I didn't have the heart to tell her that you know that wasn't on anymore. And every once in a while. She'd check in and she'd be like, Have you tried out for Match Game yet? I'm like, oh, yeah. So I want to dedicate this to her and, um, and thank all the writers out here who are listening. And remember, open yourselves up. Any kind of writing, you want to be a working writer. Um, I'm so glad that you guys were on. This actually opened, uh, opened me up to watching more game shows because I'm going to look for the stories in them now. Absolutely. So I'm all my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. No problem. And thank you, Ryan. Thank you. And everybody out there, have a good writing week. Thank you.